Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. This month, we'll be focusing on kindness in an exciting Kindness Matters series. After all, kindness is strength. Kindness is compassion. Kindness is essential to long and lasting connections to our family, friends, co-workers, and all of our human relations. As a special thank you to our listeners, please visit christinecarlson.com forward slash kindness for a free download of an invigorating guided meditation by Christine, an exclusive sneak peek of Christine's meditation series releasing soon. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Well, I'm really excited to um, be closing out our kindness series today. But before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, just sit comfortably. And if you're driving, of course, pay attention to the road and just use this as a deep breathing exercise and a way to just touch in with your body and get really present and be a good listener and all that. So let's go ahead and sit comfortably with your shoulders back and your hands on your lap, your palms upright, and just begin to breathe with me. Breathe in through your nose. And as you inhale, allow your chest and your belly to expand, taking in the fullness of that breath. And as you exhale, just let go, allowing your neck and your shoulders to drop and your face to soften. And this time, as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight. Picture beautiful golden sunlight to every cell of your being, to the tip of your head, to the fingers, to your toes, through your legs, through your whole body, just pure, radiant, golden sunlight. And as you exhale, let go a little deeper, soften a little deeper and relax. This time, as you breathe in, breathe in love, pure love, all the way to the top of your head, to your fingers, to your toes, and your core, through your legs. Breathe in love and allow that love to just run through you and fill you up. And as you exhale, let go of fear. Go of any tension you feel from your day, any anxiety. Just let go and soften more. This time as you breathe in golden sunlight, filling your body with golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment thinking of something or someone that you feel incredibly grateful for. Say gratitude is the memory of the heart. Go ahead and just take those deep breaths in pure gratitude. And as you inhale this time, Take that breath in and exhale and open your eyes. Ah, it feels so good. No matter what time of day you do that, oh my gosh, it always makes me just land in myself, land at home in my heart. 
Well, I am super excited um, to be bringing this wonderful speaker to you today, a really dear friend of my late husband, Richard, dear friend of mine, I call him my brother, John. <laughs> and I've invited him on because he's one of the kindest people I've ever met. And he's also just a very beloved spiritual teacher as well, and felt that he would have so much to offer and to really finish off this Kindness Matters series. So I'm going to go ahead and share with you who uh, Ramananda John E. Walshans is. He's a beloved contemporary spiritual teacher who weaves together the mystical and contemplative traditions of the world's greatest wisdom traditions. He's a highly revered meditation teacher and one of our most respected authorities on how to use life's inevitable difficulties as the steps on our own path of spiritual awakening. He has traveled and studied extensively in India and has been closely affiliated with spiritual luminaries Ram Dass and Stephen Levine and trained with Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. He has been practicing various forms of meditation and yoga for more than 45 years and is the author of three critically acclaimed books, One Soul, One Love, One Heart, Awakening from Grief, and When Prayers Aren't Answered, all published by New World Library. You can find John on his website, www.onesoulonelove.com. Welcome, Brother John. So happy to be talking to you. Thank you, my dear. What a delight to be with you. Yay. Well, <laughs> we are in such a time of so much suffering and unrest right now in, in our world, and especially in the U.S., and I've um, enjoyed um, reading, you know, your Facebook posts and that, you know, are, are very varied. But the message that I love about you, John, is that it's always about love. And the end of the day, it's always about love. And that is certainly a message that I aspire to as well. And, you know, lately, I mean, I just wrote a blog the other day about um, participating in the Women's March. And I, you know, I wrote it like with such open hearted and, you know, energy and such kindness and really didn't make it be about um, anything except for just being um, in solidarity with a, a wonderful group of people and really just taking a stand for civil rights. And that was really all it was about for me. It wasn't, you know, any kind of anger toward Donald Trump or anything like that. And I'm trying to take a very respectful attitude towards our democracy and trying to also, you know, not be so, so bipartisan because I'm finding that what we're faced with right now is just this total separate energy and just this total negativity on Facebook and, you know, these rants that people are on, you know, they're very angry right now. And it's almost as if Donald Trump has just stirred the pot in such a way, you know, it's like a cauldron right now. And I'm just so curious to hear, and I, I'd love to give people some tools of, of how to return to love in their hearts and return to especially kindness that we're living in a time where we really need to make kindness our focus. And, and so let's just begin to talk about that, John. Like, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that your phrase return to our hearts is the, the key phrase. Um, you know, if we think about it, 
You know, that's our problem. You know, I'll tell you a little quick story. Uh, a few years ago, a new fellow came into my meditation class and um, he kept glaring at me. And he didn't say anything. He just kept glaring at me like I was from outer space. And finally, in the third or fourth class, he raised his hand. And I'm, of course, talking about the spiritual principles that who we truly are is love, peace, and joy. So this fellow was listening to me for three weeks, and then he finally raised his hand and he said, can you tell me something? I said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, he said, if who we truly are is love and peace and joy, where on earth did we go wrong? And I heard in that, you know, to this day, I felt that was the best question anyone has ever asked me in uh, meditation class. Yeah. Because he was really grappling with two apparently opposing realities, which was that I'm sharing the spiritual principle and he's living in his mind and his mind is torturing him. Mm. So I think that, you know, one of the things I like to do, which, which is a challenge at first when people are just learning to meditate, is to recognize that in essence, we, we are such multidimensional beings, but at the core, what we are is love and peace and joy. It's like we always want to feel those things because the truth is we're coming home when we feel those things. And it's our mind that gets in the way. Mm -hmm. So the mind is really the, the realm of judgment. So my answer to this fellow was, we think. That's our problem. We think. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, isn't it? And, and isn't, don't we see that in these times where everybody is thinking so much and, and in so much fear too, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and one of the um, cornerstones of what our mind does to us is that it's constantly saying to us, if I'm not frightened, you're not safe. Ah. And it's a really, um, it's a fascinating thing. And, you know, when I talk about this, I, I want to emphasize that I'm in no way denigrating the human mind. I mean, it's an extraordinary tool, um, you know, you think of our mind as compared to what we would imagine the the thinking capacity is for most other creatures on Earth. You know, it's quite extraordinary. But like many things in life, it's one of our greatest blessings is also one of our greatest curses. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that is so true. So it's like the mind basically has two things that it does, and it does them in very complex ways. But if you boil it all down, the number one thing that our mind does is it likes and dislikes. In other words, we're looking at all our experience, whether it's sensory experience, auditory experience, visual experience, um, or more esoteric forms of intellectual experience. And it's constantly saying, I like this, I don't like that. And generally, you know, you can trace that to um, the things that we don't like being some form of fear. 
and maybe often the things that we do like being some way of um, skirting around our fear. Right. Something that's going to soothe us and keep us from being aware of our fear. So that's one thing. And the other thing that the mind does is it has the capacity, which we um, we sort of understand that probably most other creatures on Earth don't have, which is the capacity to vividly visualize the past and vividly imagine the future. So we're always liking and disliking and we look to the past for things we liked and disliked and we look to the future for things we're gonna like or dislike and we're never living in the moment you know so that's really the principle that um Eckhart Tolle was trying to share in the book The Power of Now is that we only find happiness and we only find peace in the moment so to come back to your question about kindness and, and spirituality, um, I remember I had this amazing experience when I was, I, I really embarked on the spiritual path when I was about 18. Oh, wow. That's so young. I know. Well, I was desperate. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that why we all get into our, get on our I spiritual so. path? We are desperate. <laughs> yeah. It can come in childhood. It can come when you're a teenager. It can come in your, when you're in your 90s. But, you know, something is going to push us toward the light, literally. And um, but at maybe four or five years later, I was still struggling with some of the leftover depression that I had dealt with as a teenager. And um, so I went to a friend of mine who was a spiritually oriented psychologist and I said to him, Alan, I have a problem. And he said, what? I said, I feel like my life is meaningless. And he looked at me like I was crazy, you know, because he knew that I'd been doing all these spiritual practices. And he said, really? I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I have to admit that there's a part of me that feels like my life is meaningless. And then he looked at me and he said, well, there's a simple prescription for that. And I said, what is it? Please tell me. <laughs> and he said, whenever your life feels meaningless, start doing more things for other people. Ah. And I heard it, you know, I heard it. And, and the interesting thing was that perhaps even more than just hearing it, I, I trusted him. I loved him. I thought, you know, he's wise. I'll give it a try. And I have found since that time, I was about 22 when he said that to me, 22 or 23. And I've always found that just surrendering judgment and doing something kind for another human being is one of the greatest ways to find love peace and joy with it. Oh, there you go. Very good, there John. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Nice. It's like one of my teachers, Meher Baba, said, real happiness lies in making others happy. And it's an interesting concept because in this day and age, you know, I often, if I share that, someone will usually raise their hand and say, 
Yeah, but I think that's a way to become an enabler or allow yourself to be abused or taken advantage of or, you know, it's sort of like we're all so much on guard against each other and all feeling so cynical when, in fact, you know, you were mentioning at the beginning, Chris, the, um, the, this, the atmosphere in our culture right now and um, the divisiveness. And I think, you know, if we just take a step back, we can see two things that, number one, most of us, if we're really honest and set aside political persuasions, most of us can agree that we want the same things. Yes. You know, <laughs> and the other thing is that most of us are operating out of fear. Yep. So whichever side of the political spectrum you're on, you fear the other one. You know, I remember years ago, and this goes back to, oh, I think it was the, the election of 2000. And, um, and there was a psychological study done, I think it was at the University of Chicago. And they went and asked people who identified as Democrats and people who identified as Republicans. They asked them each, when you look at the people on the other side of the political spectrum, what's the one word that comes to your mind that characterizes them? And the word they heard most frequently was evil. From each side? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. And interesting and sad, you yeah. know, because if we're characterizing our fellow human beings, our fellow Americans as evil, you know, I think that really the key to getting past all this divisiveness is starting to talk to one another in a way that doesn't start from that premise. You know, if we could talk to one another instead of saying this person is evil or this person is confused or stupid or they don't know what they're talking about. I, I would think that the word would be ignorant from both sides. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's what I would think. Not evil, but uh -huh. like I think both sides are always, I mean, it's, it's always fascinating. Um, Richard used to say, if you really want to hone in on your own political argument, take a really good look at the other side. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Great wise sage, that, Richard. Yeah. 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 Well, that is, in, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Let's hear the rest of your conclusion of this study. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. It was just that um, I think if we could look at each other with compassion, which is certainly... Um, you know, a very important ingredient on the spiritual path and in terms of healing the problems that ail humanity. You know, I always feel like most of human problems could be solved with more love and more compassion. And so in this case, if we could just try to cultivate compassion for one another, and realize that what we're looking for is we're looking for a country in which people can live safely and happily and our children can be well educated and safe and grow up in a nurturing, nourishing environment. And, and um, in a free country. I mean, that's that's what we've that's what we've always yeah. 
that's what we've always had in America is about freedom. Exactly. Exactly. And, and safety. And we've been so blessed in America to not, to not um, have wars. I mean, although we do definitely have our own kind of wars, but, mm -hmm. but we've been blessed in that way. And, and, and I know Richard always used to say, you know, he was happy to pay our taxes because he's like, I, we live in the greatest country in the world, you know, and, uh -huh. and if, if, and it takes money to keep it great, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. beautiful. So that if, if we can help people get more to a compassionate place in their hearts, then they can, you know, they can, I always say it's, you know, what has always helped me is just to understand the one concept that um, has always been throughout our work is that everyone looks at the world through their own filter and their own lens and mm -hmm. no two people see it alike at all. And, and so it always helps me when somebody's really like there, they really have a very strong viewpoint to keep that in the, in the forefront of my mind when I'm listening. And, mm -hmm. and to not take it personally, you know, I think mm -hmm. that that's what people are doing so rampant right now is they're taking other people's political views personally. And yeah. they're taking, you know, I had people that when I wrote this post, um, this blog, you know, which is kind of like my diary that I'm sharing, um, you know, I said, you know, I wrote that I, I, I was in the march and, and I just watched these people take my, the fact that I marched personally or the fact that I'm not in alignment with their viewpoint, they took it personally. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I was just, I was really taken aback by the, the comments that I had and the ferocity and the hostility of some of them. And, and one woman even wrote me and she said, and it was, you know, she said, you didn't post my comment, you know, what, that's so hypocritical that you don't show both sides. And I was like, well, I didn't post your comment, not because it had an opposing point of view from mine, but, but it just wasn't kind. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my post, my blog post was extremely kind. So, uh -huh. you know, if you want to reflect kindness and you want to share your viewpoint with kindness, I'm happy to post it. But mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not about like spreading hostility and bullying and, you know, and, and, and being unkind. And so I, you know, so no, I'm not going to post unkind comments on my website. <laughs> right. Yeah, I understand. You know, I think <laughs> I often say to people, you know, you can express your opinion on your own page or your own website. Uh, I'm not going to argue with it there. No, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Say whatever you want to say in whatever way you want to say it. Exactly. And, and again, you know, the idea is, is to be about compassion. And, and if I have a different point of view, you know, maybe it's that, you, you know, seeing things through my eyes will help you understand your, how you see things through things through your eyes, you know, and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it might even strengthen how you feel or poke holes in how you feel, but it, you know, but it, it isn't about like me being right or, you know, Hillary losing and Donald Trump winning. It's about, right. you know, it's about aligning with your values. And, and that's what all these marches are about. You know, that the, the, most of the demonstrations have been fairly, very peaceful and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. very creative and, you know, very, very peaceful demonstrations. And, it really is just about self-expression and 
And, you know, it isn't about like, again, about competitiveness or needing to validate, you know, from an emotional point of view. It's more about people being able to uh, express and take a stand for what they believe in. And, you know, and I certainly don't hold it against um, people who believe something different. And I was telling you earlier that my own father, you know, believes very differently than I do. And, and I don't love him any less. I mean, you know, I, I go, I just know, of course, that's how he is. And I love and accept him as he is. And, and he sees things the way he sees things, you know, and I'm not about, he's 84 years old. I'm not about to change the way he sees anything. <laughs> and Richard couldn't either. So, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. but you just have to love and accept people, you know, how they are and how, and, you know, and have a, and respect the people that you love, you know, respect your differences. You know, speaking of family, a few years ago, uh, I have a dear sister who is your father's age. And um, she was having her 80th birthday. And we all decided that we had to, you know, do something really special to celebrate her birthday. She has four children and like 18 grandchildren or something. I don't know. I've lost count. <laughs> and, uh, and she is one of the kindest, most wonderful, most loving human beings I have ever known. But her political views and, and her religious views are completely different than mine. And so, um, and, and that's true for n- many other members of the family too. So, um, Everybody thought this would be a great idea for the family to come together. And uh, but then there was a little bit of consternation about it because the question was, how are we all going to get along? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what most families deal with? (laughs) That's a great question. How are we all going to get along? (laughs) We're all going to drink ourselves into oblivion and eat too much. (laughs) Right. So what, one of my sister's grandchildren had this brilliant idea. She said, I've got it. I've got the solution to the problem. So we all said, what's that? She said, we have to make a vow, every one of us, that we will not talk about politics or religion for the entire weekend. And we all agreed to that. And we had a wonderful time. Yeah, see, <laughs> that, that, and, and that's, that is kind of, you know, that's a really good general rule to follow, you know, is, yeah. is just to agree that you're going to disagree and not talk about it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what I do with, um, you know, when I'm around people that I know are from a different, you know, they have different political views. I just don't, I just don't engage in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And even if they do, I just nod and, you know, I usually just nod (laughs) and Uh smile. Nodding is good. (laughs) Yeah. Nod and smile and just, and and just let, let it be, you know, let it, let it be like one of my favorite, one of the favorite things that Richard used to say. And I know Wayne Dyer said a rendition of this too. And it's like, you can be, kind or you can be right but if you're kind then you're right every time and Uh I love that you know you can be kind or you can be right but if you're kind you're right every time and sometimes um just deciding just to you know be silent and allow the person their voice whether or not you agree with them or not it doesn't it doesn't matter if your ego isn't involved it doesn't matter especially in a personal level I I I think it's a little different when it's about 
you know, civil rights and things like that. I mean, not that you can be unkind, but just that there's a way in which there's a protection that many of us feel about certain, very certain things, very deep, Mm -hmm. deep things. Mm -hmm. But on a general level, you know, when, when you're in conversation with people, you know, is it really that important for you to, you know, to be right? And I think that's, that's a great, a great thing to keep in mind and will help you access your compassion and, and bring you into your heart if you can own that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the adjunct to that, I'm sure you know, is the question that you can ask yourself, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That goes right in line. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? That's so true. That's so true. Well, I was just thinking about the Dalai Lama. Oh, yeah. Who um, has this wonderful practice that he does every day when he gets up and prepares himself to go out in the world to be with people. He has a mantra going in his head, which is simply everyone wants happiness, Mm. doesn't want suffering. And I think if we look at that, you know, and and I work with another one, which is everyone wants happiness, doesn't want suffering. And most people are frightened and most people have sadness. And so just to use that to remember that this person who seems so angry is probably very frightened mm-hmm. or very hurt, you know? Yeah, that's the whole idea about the bully in school or the, uh, or the angry bully is always the deepest hurting. They're, the, they're always suffering and they've generally been bullied and, and mistreated. And, and mm-hmm. it, it is a good principle to keep that in mind. It, it really does help when you're, you know, when you're faced with angry people to realize that, that they are just, they are just simply hurting. I love that, John. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And also, you know, I don't think that that means if, if they're about to harm someone else that we don't stop them. No, no, you don't bystand and allow that kind of behavior, but, but certainly just to, I've always, you know, told my kids that, you know, that when they talk about somebody who's mean at school, I've always taught them that, that, you know, that that person is, is usually deeply hurting. And you're right. You can't, you can't be an innocent, you're not, there's no innocent bystanders with bullying. That's for sure. Yeah. When I was bullied as a child, my mother taught me to be, uh, she said, well, you know, the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to allow the bully to feel that they've gotten to you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So she said, just, you know, give them some loving, kind comment that conveys that you're not troubled by what they just said to you. You know, if it was physical abuse and that's another thing, but, um, you know, and through her guidance, when I was a child, uh, I really was able to learn how to turn every bully into a friend. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. She taught you the way of the peaceful warrior. She did. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Absolutely. And that's wonderful when it works too. And one of um, 
my my friends are the Challenge Day. You met them, right? Rich and Yvonne, the Challenge Day sure. people. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and they go into the schools. And one of the beautiful things that happens at the end of a Challenge Day is that after these kids have realized that they're really more alike than they are different, you know, because the truth is we have preconceived notions about how somebody's life is and especially now with social media and everything it, it it's as if everyone else has a happier life than you do you know <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like because everyone's posting what they really want you to see on social media and uh-huh. then you start to develop these preconceived notions about those people well they don't have problems and they don't have this and they don't have that and a challenge day one of the things that happens is there's so many wonderful exercises that they do both playing exercises and deep emotional work that that kids start to see that everyone is much more alike and everyone has problems and everyone has suffering and and that's that's one of the most beautiful things in our humanity is that when we can realize that that we really are more alike than we are different then mm-hmm. then then all of this you know, bipartisanship and all these things that that sort of breaks that all away and says just what you said earlier, that we all basically want the same things in life. And we all want happiness. We all want our families to be safe. We want to, we want to have abundance on some level, you know, we want to be able to feed our family and, and do more than just survive our lives. And I love that, and and I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful um, way to access compassion is to realize that that we are more alike than we are different. And going back yeah. to what you said earlier, that it's judgment. It's always judgment that separates us, and and keeps us, you know, from connecting. Yeah, yeah, it's that concept of I'm right and you're wrong. Yep. And that is the pathway to suffering. <laughs> yeah, that's one path, huh? <laughs> yeah, certainly in relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm remembering, um, it's funny, I don't think I've thought of this in years, but one of the, I was bullied terribly when I changed schools when I was in fourth grade. And um, this wasn't something my mother suggested, but it just came to me because she said, try being funny and try being kind when people are being mean to you. And so I was out with this group of guys and there was one guy that was always giving me such a hard time and just insulting me and going on and on trying to break me. And we were, we went into an ice cream parlor and I brought him, I said, can I buy you an ice cream? (laughs) And he looked at me like, why would you do that? I've been so horrible to you. And he just kind of smiled and I got his ice cream and uh, we were friends from that moment on. Oh, that's, Sometimes it's very simple. That's a really nice story, John. That's a great that's a great place actually to you know to bring us all the way around. That's a beautiful um, beautiful act of kindness. And you know, I mean, this is such an easy way. I think that kindness is a way of life, and certainly it's been your way of life. And I love that your mom raised you that way. It's it's mm. it's definitely at the root of who you are. And Um, and it is a way of being kindness is a way of being, I think it's one of the most, um, deepest spiritual practices that we can participate in. Would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. 
And I think the key is to just allow yourself to perform, as somebody so beautifully phrased many years ago, a random act of kindness. You know, yeah. why not? Just let it flow out. You know, don't let your mind say, oh, no, don't do that. They probably don't deserve it. You know, it just spontaneously give something. I said to somebody a few weeks ago who was talking about the political divide and, and not being able to communicate with people on the other side of their political views. I said, well, why don't you just bake them some cookies? <laughs> <laughs> just take them some cookies and forget about the politics. You know, <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, this, we're living in a time where we can't, we really can't um, overperform on kindness. That's for sure. And I'd just like to remind everyone, if you want to find out more about John, you can find him on Facebook, and it's Ramananda John E. Welshans, and on his website at www.onesoulonelove.com. And he just has some beautiful books, One Soul, One Love, One Heart, and Awakening from Grief, and When Prayers Aren't Answered. So... Please go and locate John and communicate more with him. And I want to thank you, John, for coming on the podcast. It was wonderful. What a wonderfully rich conversation. Thank you. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's almost like sitting in front of your fireplace having a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, it is. Good. All right. Yeah. Well, and just to remind you all, come back again. Um, and as a random act of kindness, considering sharing this, consider sharing this podcast with your um, friends and with your family and spread a little more kindness because kindness really does matter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff with Christine Carlson. Christine invites you to join her in a series of guided meditations coming soon to christinecarlson.com. As a thank you for joining us today, the first meditation is yours free. Just visit christinecarlson.com forward slash kindness to download it now.